0: Lord, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for freedom, Jesus.
1: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sins. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come near. was arrested my life began. You believe that? Ashes redeemed the beauty remains. My orphan heart was given the name. My morning grew quiet my feet rose today. When death was arrested, my life began. We believe it. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. We believe that. Released from my chains. I'm a prisoner no more Oh no! My shame was arranged. ransom He fulfilled Oh yes you did Jesus He cancelled my death
2: you want them to hear, to see, to believe. God, we're only here for one reason and that's you. God, help us cling to that truth. You're the only one that matters. Jesus, thank you for this time of worship that we get to sing and praise to your name. God, I pray as we transition into your word God, whatever you want us to hear through TJ, through your word, Jesus, speak to him through us, Jesus. God, we're so thankful for today and every day. Thank you for all the blessings that you give us. God, we don't deserve any of it. Thank you for loving us and showing us grace daily. We love you, Jesus, and it's all in your name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for worshiping with us morning?
0: Good. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be wrapping up the chapter together today. Aren't you glad that God is good today? I and mean, not only is he powerful, not only is he faithful, not only is he engaging with his sons and daughters and creation that he formed out of the wellspring of his creativity, but he's good. He takes moments of disparity and dispra- depravity and he turns it into life and moments of hopelessness and breathes in hope. Aren't you glad about that today? That we don't come together to worship and to look at and think on and read from a stale God, but one who is alive and ready to move in our lives? That's good news. That's good news. Yeah, for the seven of y'all that are brave enough to clap, like, that's really good news. Yeah. I'll leave you alone. Colossians one i <laughs> I'm going to read this and then we'll pray and dive in. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that has, was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Oh, we could just hang there all day. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone that with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works with in me. Let's pray. Father God, you're the greatest of all time. God, there's none like you. There's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience on this planet. So God, this morning, as we together as a family kind of pull up to the table of your word, God, we pray that you would deliver to us the meal that you desire us to have, God, Lord, that you would speak through the noise of our week. God, Lord, that you would be louder than the doubt that screams, God, Lord, that you would be more sweet than the suffering that we've experienced, God, Lord, that this morning as we gather and rally around your word, you would do something in our hearts that could only be explained by the power of your Holy Spirit, and God, we'll give you glory. We will give you glory in the name of Jesus, and everybody together said, amen. I I want to just kind of go ahead and launch into this this particular verse, especially in verse 24, because this is a verse that's that's just always been strange for me. Because Paul says this, he's kind of crescendoing here at the end of his thought, and he's saying, hey, listen, I, I want you to know that now I rejoice in my sufferings. And when we read this, like, that's kind of Bible-ish, right? Like, we, we read things like that a lot in the Scripture. But I hope we can pause together and see how weird that is this morning. How other than typical this is this morning. I mean, how many of you, when someone asks you, when you're walking through a tough time, man, how you doing? You know, you say, man, listen, I'm just ecstatic in my suffering right? Like, I've just, man, I don't know about you, but this week was really, really bad, and I've just been rejoicing, you know what I'm saying? K-Love has been on, and, and you know, I only got to hear one song in 457 commercials, but I'm still worshiping. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's so other than typical, Right? Like, typically, when we walk into suffering or we walk into hardship, usually, or at least I'll just kind of preach to, about myself this morning, I, I lean sometimes to complaining. I'm sure I'm the only person that deals with this, so I'll, like I said, I'm just talking to myself, but, but sometimes I lead to complaining. Sometimes I lead to doubt and fear. Sometimes I lean even into questioning God with phrases like, God, why? Or why me? Why us? Why now? But not Paul. Paul said, now I rejoice in my sufferings. How could Paul rejoice? This is something I want us to be able to rally around together and grab a hold of together as a faith family this morning. Paul was able to have a gospel-centered, eternal perspective of suffering. And my prayer for us is that we in this faith family, in this body, can develop a gospel-centered, gospel-saturated, eternal perspective of suffering. I want to give you three things if you're taking notes this morning. Just three, three things of, of the many that Paul lays out in Scripture, why he's able to rejoice in suffering. Because at the onset, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, suffering is is to be expected. Like, it's not something that we, that we long for or we, we hope for. It's not something that we, like I said earlier, we have a conversation and we're like, how, you know, what do you got you know, in front of you this week? Well, man, I really hope I encounter some suffering so I could be more like Jesus. Like, nobody thinks that way. I hope you don't. It's not healthy, all right? But it's it should be expected at some point of our, of our human experience and this, this journey that we're on that we're going to experience and walk through and deal with some kind of suffering. For me, it's kind of like this. It's like pulling up to McDonald's. It's, it's funny to me that people still pull up to McDonald's and ask for a McFlurry. You know what I'm saying? Y'all... Y- Y'all are acting like you haven't gotten frustrated at two o'clock in the morning, wanting a McFlurry, and the ice cream machine is broke again. Right? (laughs) Come on, right? I mean, it's like expected. That thing worked one time in 1990. Never. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You expect it. It's a part of the world. It's gonna be broken. But sometimes we're so blindsided by the fact that though we live in a fallen, fractured, broken world, we have to endure suffering. I've said this to you before, and and suffering is something that we circle back to often because it's something that everyone in this room will deal with. And I want you to be reminded that this morning, if you're walking through suffering, suffering is not a sign of God's displeasure with you, okay? See, sometimes we think, man, if I'm suffering or if if I'm going through a tough time or if I'm walking through difficulty... If bad things have happened to me or around me, then it must be because God's upset with me or because God doesn't love me. Hear me say this this morning. That is a lie from hell. Suffering is not a sign of God's displeasure with you. It's evidence that we live in a sinful world that's fractured and broken. It should be expected. Listen to Paul in 1 Peter 4.12. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture because I love the way he phrases it. He says, Beloved. Let me hear that. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Paul was saying, hey, listen, take it from me. The apostle of apostles, church planter of church planters, the follower, a quintessential follower of Jesus, riding from prison. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm suffering. Paul says beloved don't think that it's strange don't think that it's out of the ordinary don't think that something's wrong with you or something's wrong with God when you walk into suffering Paul knew it was to be expected and it, it didn't catch him off guard last or the next thing is that The way that Paul, we believe from Scripture, when we look at at all of his writing, this this beautiful work that he's done for us in the New Testament through the power of the Holy Spirit, not only did Paul acknowledge and come back too often that suffering was to be expected, but that suffering was also temporary. One of the reasons that we believe that, that Paul was able to be able to say, man, I'm rejoicing in this suffering Because he believed what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. So this is what Paul was able to do, and through the power of the Spirit, this is what I pray we are able to do. No matter what the suffering is in front of us, no matter what the hardship or the difficulty that's in front of our face, I pray that we're able to look through that to the eternal hope that is waiting for us. See, that kind of person's unstoppable for the kingdom of God Uh, we've said it before but how frustrating it must have been for the, the those who had captured Paul and were persecuting Paul See, he knew this life was fleeting. He knew it was temporary. He didn't, he didn't hang his hope on this world and, and what he could see around him. And so, man, they, they would come to Paul and say, Paul, we're going to beat you. And Paul would say, oh, I'll bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, Paul, I don't, I don't think you understand. We are going to beat you. Oh, for, for me to die is, is gain, right? For me to suffer is to identify with Christ. And he said, well, no, 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 Paul, we're going to let you live. For me to live is Christ. Paul, we're going we're gonna to crush you. I'm pressed but not crushed. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Paul, we're going to put you in prison. It's okay. You guys remember what happened last time? I like converted everybody and the guards came to faith in Christ. Revival happened. Put me in prison. He was so frustrating to persecute because his life was not wrapped up in this world. His life was was centered in on. He was consumed by the prize that is in Christ Jesus and he was consumed with the eternal hope that he had in him. You've heard the, the phrase from Paul where he says right now we look through a glass dimly but one day we'll see full view. See, I think for some of us, suffering in our life, I don't think I know, that suffering in our lives has clouded the globe of the lantern. It's made things just feel kind of dark. It maybe has even felt like there's this cloud over our lives and we just can't quite get past it my encouragement to you this morning is to take some notes from Paul and look through that suffering look through that brokenness and stare into the hope you have in Christ become consumed with the hope in you become consumed in the goodness of God and the glory of God demonstrating His perfect love on the cross oh that as a church We would learn to rejoice in our sufferings because we realize these are just shells that will one day fall away. And then real life will start. (laughs) Yeah, but TJ, I love this world. Yeah, I mean, me too. There's really cool stuff like families and friends and movies, coffee. There's plenty of things to love. But my prayer is that you would be so in love with him that these are just things that whether they're here or gone, your joy remains. Look through your suffering this morning into the person and work of Christ. Paul knew that suffering was to be expected. Paul knew that suffering was temporary. And he knew that his suffering identified him with Jesus. This is an interesting piece of scripture in Galatians 617 Paul's kinda wrapping up his letter to the to the Galatians and he he says this This is really interesting he says from from now on don't cause me any more trouble for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ can you can you imagine that if if say your your pastor got up on Sunday morning and, and and said hey by the way I want you guys to stop bothering me because I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you you feel kind of the the angst in that? You'd be like, man, what what are you talking about, Paul? That's what happens. See, Paul was able to maintain joy. And at this point of his life and at this point of his ministry, he was anticipating and receiving incredible amounts of criticism. And finally, he just says, hey, listen, don't bother me anymore because I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul knew that his suffering identified him with Christ. It didn't define him as a person. It identified him with Christ. Paul says in another place, I I, I count it a a joy, I count it amazing. This is incredible that I would be counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. I think for us sometimes we, we go into to suffering thinking like, man, this is something strange that shouldn't be happening happening if I'm a Christian. And, and man, this is going to last forever. And, and, and man, if I, I'm suffering, surely I'm not a part, like a part of the body, right? If I'm going through hard things, like God likes perfect people, right? Paul says, no, 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 no. Your suffering is to be expected, but remember it's temporary. And when you suffer, you identify with Christ. You identify with Christ. Paul was not only able to endure, but to rejoice in his suffering because he could see past his suffering to his prize and he believed in the work that he was doing. Two key components of Paul's staying joyful uh, in suffering that I want us to grab a hold of this morning. The prize and the work, I alluded to this earlier, the prize and the work consumed him. Jesus and his calling on this planet were primary to him the reason that he could could worship, the reason that he could rejoice in his suffering, the reason that, that he could sit in a prison and gush with love over this church who he had never set foot in before, the reason that he could do that is because he was consumed with the prize and he believed in the work. Let, let's go on just a little bit to see what he says here. It says, I, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. I want you to grab a hold of three things that he says here. First, he said that he was a steward from God for the church to make the word known. Do you see that in the scripture? He knew that his responsibility was to steward, even in his sufferings or moment of hardship, to steward the things that God had entrusted him with for the sake of the church that he was leading, even though he wasn't present, he was was shaping their theology and delivering love letters from the Holy Spirit to them so that they would know the Word. I hope you can see this parallel in your own life. The word here, steward, in the original language was really, um, it was a servant who when the master left, they would put him in charge of the affairs of the whole house. This master so trusted this servant in his household that he would put him over all the other servants. He would put him over even the care of their children. He would put this servant over the care of the finances. That's what Paul was saying. I rejoice in my sufferings, And I maintain this course because I've been given this incredible job of stewardship over your souls for the church so that you might fully know the word. My prayer this morning as I was preparing this and walking through this, I began to ask this question, who is our for you? He said, Jesus, that's really weird. Just track with me for a minute. Every single one of you in this room have been gifted something from the master. Your husband, you've been gifted your wife. Wives, you've been gifted your husband. Mamas and daddies, you've been gifted your children. Employers, business owners, you've been gifted your employees. Friends, you've been gifted those relationships. You've been gifted something by the master until he returns. And my question this morning, the thing that that I grappled with when I began to to look at this, Paul was so consumed with the prize, and he was so in love with the work that he was doing to equip and to encourage and to love on those who had been entrusted to his care. That suffering was just just a part of it. And I, I wonder for us this morning, if sometimes we're just so egocentric and self-centered, that we take our eyes off of the prize and off the work that is incredibly important and we just live in kind of a woe-me mentality sometimes. Who is your for you? Who have you been granted to steward? What have you been gifted to steward? The gospel center work that Paul did for the church was serious work. It was hard work and it was hard work. I'm going to say this again, family, friends, teams, workplace, discipleship groups, small groups, Sunday school, there is someone or something under your watch care till the master comes. Every single one of us in the room. And my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, Is that as we lean into Christ, as we acknowledge suffering, as we acknowledge the fracture in this world, and we lean into Christ, we would become more and more and more consumed with the prize that is Christ Jesus. And that we would fall in love with the work that he's called us to do. What has he called you to do? I'm going to meddle for just a minute, if that's okay. I'm just going to chase this rabbit for like, give me like maybe two minutes. What thing has God put in your heart? What people has God put in your life? What gifting has been placed on you? What mantle do you wear? What has been entrusted to you today? What calling are you grappling with? I don't know. There's there's five or six hundred people in here this morning. You know what that means? Somebody in this room is probably called to go and spend their lives overseas in missions. Who's going to steward that? Someone's called to go back to family members this morning and seek reconciliation for wrongs done. Who's going to own that? Someone's called in this room this morning to rally up the family and say, hey, man, I just want to point you guys towards Christ and I haven't done a very good job. I want to start doing that. I want to be a dad that, that leads you to the cross. I want to be a mom that leads you to the cross. Who's going to own that stewardship this morning? You say, well, preacher, that's real easy for you. Listen, I have to look at my wife all the time and say, hey, I'm a moron and I need need forgiveness. All the time I have to revisit my calling and recenter my focus on the perfect work of Christ because I'm an idiot. So I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm just talking with you so that we can all reflect together on the callings in our lives gifts that's been given to us the the incredible gifts the gifts that sometimes don't clean their rooms or do their homework or make sure that the car is full of gas right come on who is your for you who are you called to steward what work have you been called to engage in and invest in I'm going to read it one more time and then, we'll, then we'll, we'll just move on. There is someone or something under your watch care till the master comes. And my prayer is that you would take it serious, that it would become hard work, though it will be hard work, that you would become so consumed with the prize and fall in love with the work that suffering just is a part of your journey. It's not something that defines you. It's just something that we have to work through together as a faith family. This is what I love here as we move on. I I, I love the way that Paul says this, and, and I'll read it for you one more time. He says, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Picking up in 26 here, the mystery hidden for ages and generations is now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known the great, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what I love about the scriptures. Sometimes we kind of pull this card like, mm, I don't really know what God wants me to do. Right? Like, like sometimes we just stand on the sidelines because we're like, mm, I don't really... I don't really know what he's called me to. I don't really know what my giftings are. Let me help you with that. Let me read it to you one more time. The mystery hidden for all ages and generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This means that we can no longer sit idly by and play the mystery card. It's not a mystery any longer. Base level. Are you ready? Dads, love God, love people, multiply disciples. Start at home. Moms, base level, really simple. Don't know your giftings, okay. Love God, love people, multiply disciples, start with your children. Business owners, have no clue where where to start with this. Love God, love people, multiply disciples, start with your employees. Friends, I don't really know what my giftings and callings are. I don't really know what to do. It's no longer a mystery, it's been revealed to us. Love God, love people, and multiply disciples. The job in front of us as a church and as individuals is incredibly, incredibly clear. There is no ambiguity any longer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is likened unto it: love your neighbor as yourself. On this you can hang all the law and the prophets. He's saying, "Hey, if you're confused this morning, you don't know where to start. Start there. Fall in love with the prize." love God and then fall in love with the work, love people. Verse 27 says to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, in Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what I love. This is a for everyone reality. God can redeem anyone and dwell in anyone, work through anyone. No matter how great the sin, no matter how deep the shame, no matter how dark the past, God can redeem, renew, and transform anyone. Check this out. This is why we suffer with joy and press on with confidence, because at our preaching, our loving, our serving takes root in this, that you and I own who we are in Christ. With all of our imperfections, with all of our junk, with all of our baggage, we own who we are in Christ, and we acknowledge that the call is no longer unclear to us. The call is no longer ambiguous. If we're not carrying his word to the world, if we're not loving people, then ultimately we can't identify with him. Listen, I I know that's strong language this morning, but that's the reality and listen, that, that, that should incredibly encourage us this morning that, that he called us jars of clay and he's put Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me pull this together for you. Let me kind of sew all this up for you this morning. We can endure hardship. We can walk through suffering. We can walk into the world with confidence because Christ Jesus, who died on the cross, gave us his spirit, lives in us to work through us for the good of this world. So all the things I talked about, dads and and moms and employers, employees, friends, all those things, it's possible. It's possible for God to work through you for his glory. I've said it before and I'll say it again and we're going to wrap up in a minute, but... But if all we do is sing songs and listen to me talk and we never reinvest this into the world around us and we never share the word outside of this place and we never take risks to advance the gospel, then we've wasted our time. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. Every single person in this room has been gifted. Those of you who are in Christ have repented from your sin and followed Jesus. You have been gifted the power of the Holy Spirit and you can do whatever he calls you to do. You can love. You can go. You can give. You can serve. You can disciple you can be patient long suffering. In the power of Christ, you can do these things. Last point I'm going to make there, and then we're going to wrap up. <laughs> What I love, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that we tie back to to the jars of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. Sometimes when we think of that, we think all these pretty vases or ornate things, right, that that house the glory of God. Much like the alabaster box, it must have been pretty and and full of decoration and costly. And and the scripture tells us that, that this word here, the jars of clay, were the frail, brittle clay pots. The frail, brittle clay pots, those were used for two things in this context, in this culture garbage and human waste. Do you hear me? When he says we have this treasure in jars of clay, he literally points back to the, in the original language, to the pots that would either hold the garbage in the household or the human waste. I'll say this every Sunday till we grab it as a church, but for those of you that sit in the pew and say, T.J., I'm too dirty for God to use me. God's like, no, no, I, I don't think you understand. Like, I'm all about the clay pots. Well, T.J., my, my past is too jacked up. I'm too brittle. I'm too broken for God to use me. God's like, no, 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 remember the clay pots. You, room full of clay pots, have this treasure deposited into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. My question for you as a church is really simple this morning. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to steward it? How will you endeavor to live knowing now with no excuse that the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you and intends to use you for his glory. What will you do with that? Like I said earlier, a million different callings all across the room. Who's gonna say yes to Jesus? Who's gonna take risks to make his name great in your household, and in your family, and in your peer groups? Who in this room will take serious the stewardship of the word and those that have been entrusted to you? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this I toil, struggling with all his might, his energy, that he powerfully works within me. This morning we circle back and we're reminded it's all about him. And maybe that's where your journey should start this morning. Maybe there's somebody in the room that says, TJ I don't, I don't know what it is to have Christ in me, the hope of glory. I've never surrendered my life to this story and to this truth. TJ, I'm lost and I, I need Jesus. This morning we're going to have a time of response and, and, and the band's going to come and they're going to sing. And, and, and my challenge would be this for our, for our church as a whole. And it, for those that in the room that may be grappling with surrender, just center in on Jesus. Don't, don't worry about the song that's being sung. Don't worry about the people sitting around you. Would you just center in on Jesus and maybe pray something like this? God, would you redeem me? God, would you rescue me? I mean, would you take this incredible, incredibly risky jump and just say, Jesus, would you do in my heart what I can't do for myself? And then for those of you who are believers in the room who've been grappling with a call, you felt the weight on your shoulders, this mantle, these things that God might want you to do in this life, would you just pray, God, would you just do it and pull me along as you go? (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, we said it earlier and we believe it to be true, you're the greatest of all time. And God, what I know to be true is that in this room across this crowd God, as incredible as you are even listening this morning by way of of social media God, Lord you aim for people to steward the gifts and callings that you've put in their lives and you desire that we be so entranced with you, so consumed with how good you are and how faithful you are that our, our suffering, God, we just acknowledge it as temporary. We, we're not surprised by it. That it's just a part of our story, just like our joys, just like our successes. And God, in the midst of those things that we, we find the work that you've called us to do and for some of us, God, it's right in front of us. We've just neglected it. So for that, God, we say we're sorry. Give us fresh wind and fresh fire, God, fresh vision and fresh hope this morning. Rekindle the love in our hearts for the work that's in front of us. God, for those in the room this morning that may not know you or have a relationship with you or, or God, have played the same game that so many of us have played and are trying to just stiff-arm you, God, I pray that you would wrap them in your love. that you would hear, God, they would hear you whisper their name, drawing them to life in you. (laughs) And they, in this moment, God, would be forever changed through surrender. Lord, we love you. And we're desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen.